Hi, I'm Karen Shaler. I'm the writer of Every Day is Christmas, starring Tony Braxton, and you're listening to Pam and Dawn. Hello and welcome to the special edition of Christmas Movie Spotlight. I'm your host, Dawn Mack, and I'm here with my friend, my trusty sidekick, my co-host, Pam. How was that? <laughs> I swear I never know what you're going to come up with. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm, doing that, I'm thinking jingle in my head. That almost could be a jingle for our show. You know, maybe we'll have that done. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing really well. Thank you. I'm all excited. Um, you know, uh, we're right in the throes of the holiday season, and there's just so much great excitement, all these great movies that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And I don't know about you, but I've been marathoning it to death. <laughs> and um, so it's it's really a good time, good time. I hope you're enjoying the holidays as well. Well, seriously, you don't know if I've been keeping up. Come on, we talk all the time. You know I've been keeping up. <laughs> You've been marathoning with me. And, um, I mean, we're texting back and forth during these movies, folks. So, you know, it's funny. We we really try to watch them as spectators, but we're researching while we're watching. So it's like, ah. But anyway, thank goodness for DVRs. Um, well, today we welcome the lovely and incredibly talented Karen Shaler to our show. And wow, Karen is super busy and super amazing. She's a three-time Emmy Award-winning storyteller. She is a television host, journalist, and has written screenplays for Netflix, Hallmark, and Lifetime movies, including the upcoming holiday movie, Every Day is Christmas, starring Tony Braxton and premiering on Lifetime TV Saturday, November 24th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. And we are so excited and honored to bring you our interview now with Karen Shaler. Enjoy the show. Thank you again, Karen, for calling in. I mean, I can't even imagine how busy you are, and and we so appreciate it. So thank you for that. Uh, First off, I'd like to congratulate you on your tremendous success as a three-time Emmy Award-winning storyteller. I for our listeners, just so you know, uh, Karen's an author, a screenwriter, a journalist, a national TV host, and wow, where does she get the time? I mean, where does it come from? <laughs> but what I love is that your stories are uplifting and empowering. Um, so can you tell us about how you started writing? Like what or who inspired you? You know, that's such a good question. And my mom loves to tell the story that when I was about two years old, we were in the grocery store, and a woman looked over to me and asked my mother, does she ever stop talking? And my mom very proudly <laughs> looked at the woman and said, only in her sleep. And so my mom tells the story. To, she tell it to everyone. She loves it. And she said, you started telling stories at the same time you started talking. And you would stand up on a little table and you'd make up these imaginary worlds. So I don't remember not being a storyteller. And I, I think I was lucky enough to channel that energy into I've always wanted to be an author and I always wanted to be a screenwriter, but I also was practical to say how competitive, you know, that is to break into that world. And I also wanted to see the world. I came from pretty modest means and I, I thought, if I'm gonna tell these stories, I gotta I gotta see some stuff. 
So I really wanted to travel, and I decided to be a TV reporter, and my dream was to be a foreign war correspondent and go to third world countries as well and shine the light on some of the things that were happening and tell inspiring and empowering stories. And so people say, how did you go from a war correspondent to, to writing Christmas stories? But it, it actually has a great connection because I would come home. I, I did report in Bosnia and in Afghanistan, and I would come home from very difficult situations, and I counted so much on the Hallmark movies at Christmas and at the Lifetime movies really gave back to me and it's a family tradition and I would just look forward to these stories that were uplifting and would give me hope and kind of a reboot and a reset for me and I always said someday I want to give back someday I want to write these kind of movies and and I want to hopefully if I can share with one person you know the kind of caring that was given to me and the kind of a sense of family I felt watching these movies and being connected, then, then I would be giving back and doing something right. So it was always in my mind that this was a dream of mine to be able to write the movies and then write the book, you know, just, it was back there. And I'm, a, I'm very um, driven. And so, you know, being a news reporter, you're always going after a story. And I, that was always an end game. That was always what I wanted to do is do what I'm doing right now. Well, given your vast experience and all the things that you have experienced, um, what would you consider to be your biggest learning curve since your career began? Oh, that's such a good question. I feel like I learn every single day. You know, I just had, you know, every experience, I'm, maybe that's from being from a news reporter background where I'm looking to learn and, and all of that. And I, and I think one of the important things, even as a storyteller, as a reporter, is, is being authentic and really digging for the story, not what's always on the surface. And that's what really inspired when I wrote A Christmas Prince um, that ended up airing on Netflix. People always said, well, where did that come from? And I was actually asked to go with tourism because I'm also a, the creator and host of Travel Therapy TV where I inspire and power through travel. You know, so it's all connected. But I was asked by... Um, British tourism to come to the Isle of Anglesey in Wales and sort of walk in the footsteps of Will and Kate, where they had lived when he was in the Air Force, and kind of help promote tourism. Everyone loves the royals, especially the U.S., and to show those special places. And the reason I was inspired to write A Christmas Prince is I was in this, these charming you know, places and learning and how, saw how the community was so protective of Will and Kate and and Prince Harry, and saying, you know, you journalists in America, you only look for the bad things that happen. You have no idea, you know, how great Harry and Will are and all the wonderful things, and you guys blow things up, and it's so sensational. And, you know, they're right. And, you know, especially, you know, years ago and what have you. And I thought, of course, they weren't blaming me. They knew I was covering positive stories. But I thought about it, and it inspired me when I was looking to write a royal Christmas story to add that tiny message that, you know, there's a journalist, and she's going, you know, really trying to succeed. And I was an investigative journalist, and it was loosely inspired by me always having the bosses, you know, maybe say, get the dirt or get that really sensational story that'll sell. And you find you don't find the story, and they're disappointed. And it's not always what people see, you know, the celebrities, the royals. And so that was loosely inspired, the Christmas Prince. So I think that's a long answer to your question of a learning curve was <laughs> the story that's right in front of you isn't always the story. And dig mm-hmm. a little deeper and, and go to the heart. And, and I think that's what the Lifetime and Hallmark movies at Christmas especially do. It's about the heart. You know, it's about mm-hmm. what really matters most, exactly. not the superficial story. Exactly. Yes, and thank you for that. And we really appreciate that. Um, there's so much going on in the world, and we just love to get away at times. And we do that through you and, and other people like you. And 
your show, Travel Therapy TV, has been seen on networks like ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and CW. I mean, that's like all the major networks, <laughs> and that's quite the accomplishment. Um, you've traveled to so many different countries, and I think the last I saw was 68. Now, I could be wrong by this time. Um, but no, you're right you on. You're in... right on. <laughs> I'm right? Okay, good. Yeah, you're great. <laughs> um, hard keeping up. You were in class. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You were in Canada, and you did an edge walking. I have to ask you about that because that, <laughs> to me, terrified me, I mean, just from watching you do it. But you had a smile on your face, so I'm thinking this was fun for you. <laughs> it's so funny. I am I right or wrong? <laughs> I, am, I love that you're asking me this question because it's a life lesson to this question, and I love this because – I actually just got back to Toronto. I love Toronto so much, and that's where I did the Edgewalk CN Tower, which even looking mm-hmm. at it today before I flew home to do the interview with you, my stomach hurt looking at what, you know, I mean, I'm looking up today going, what? And the lesson of this is I'm a journalist. I've, I've traveled. I've been in war zones. So, you know, I'm pretty, I will do what it takes to get a story. But that was not on my list. You know, that was not like, I must do the edge walk, you know. And so yeah. the tourism folks invited me to lunch up there. And so I'm very, you know, we know we're, you, you know how to do PR. And in terms of the, the lesson of the story is they invited me at lunch and they said, well, you know, you should do the edge walk. And what I should have said is, you know what, that's not for me. That's all I should have said. Thank you. So many beautiful things in your city. But no, but no, what I did, which was wrong, is I said, well, you know, in travel therapy, I can only do stories where I can show myself participating. And, you know, I have to shoot video and be able to see. And I know you can't take video cameras. And they immediately jumped in and said, well, we have them on the, the assistant that helps you. He has it on a camera on his helmet and we can give it to you. And then I had an answer. I said, well, oh, you know, for licensing for the shows that I'm on, I have to have to sign a release. It's so cool. We can sign a release. We can give you, you know, the video. And I said, oh, but I can't show others in my video. And I know you take, we can schedule just for you. So I was like, what are you doing? Uh, so next thing I know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm up and I'm thinking to my Karen, why didn't you just say, not for me, thanks. But no, I have to use excuses. So I've used this as a life lesson. But I'll be honest, there's this part, my grandma, I am so blessed, is so with me. She is 103. I, she is amazing, and she is oh, a reader, wow. and she watches Hallmark, and she watches Lifetime, and she watched Christmas Prince and Netflix. So she is my biggest fan. She's my best friend, and she is just she's been blessed to live on her own all of this time, and she's just amazing. And all I could think of is I've been in war zones. Obviously, she doesn't like that. I've been in, you know, I was a crime reporter, so I'm investigative. I'm usually in, you know, back in the day 10 years ago in some difficult situations. My grandma didn't like that. But if she could handle it if something happened to me because she knew I was doing my passion. But if I have to tell my grandma I fell off the CN Tower doing this, I don't know if she's going to you know, think <laughs> I, that was okay. So I think when I got up there, though, there was a sense, I'm, I'm a girl, you're either 1 or 10, so I was all in. If I'm doing it, I'm going to do it. And there was this sense. I mean, I mean, Pam and Don, there was like this, it was, I don't know how to explain it. My body, when you start, start, start to walk your little feet out, it literally stops. I was frozen, like a frozen in fear. And they say it happens all the time. It's your body's way of making sure you're not crazy and walking to the edge of this, you know, tower. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and they go, so go backwards, which I'm like, that's crazy. But all of that said, it's anything you do. It's my screenwriting, to be an author. 
I say you just got to go for it. And if you're going to go for it, you got to go all in. You got to do it with all your heart. You got to do it with all your passion. So I think that was the smile you were talking about because once I was there, it was this exhilaration that I can do this. I can conquer this fear. And it was, it was amazing. It really was. And it made me, you know, walk a little higher that day, stand a little straighter thinking if I can do that, I can do anything. You know, I can, I can mm-hmm. sell a screenplay. I can sell a novel. You know, I just did the edge walk. And, but then seeing it today, you know, a year and a half later, I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I still recommend it if you're a daredevil. It, it's amazing. But, boy, seriously. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I just, I couldn't even, I mean, I give you big kudos to that because there is absolutely no way that I could have done that. I mean, I I would have found some way of of getting out of it. I don't care what I had to come up with. It's just, I'm not that daredevilish. Sorry. Oh, I so after the fun or before the fun, I'm not sure exactly when this came about because unfortunately I didn't get to see it, but I would love to see this um, and maybe you can steer me to it. Um, as a TV journalist, you were the first to be with a combat um, Apache helicopter unit in Afghanistan. Um, you wrote, produced, and hosted an Emmy award-winning one-hour TV documentary that aired on ABC. Would you share with our listeners what this experience was like for you? I mean, just not being in the helicopter, but, you know, being with the men and the women and being in Afghanistan, all of the above. You know, it was, it was, it's a life-changing experience any time that you put, you know, take a step into somebody else's world. And I think that's why I love journalism, because it allows me the privilege of seeing a different life and learning and putting myself in their shoes and I think it makes me a better storyteller and more empathetic as a human you know and to be able to understand it it actually started back before and when um, President Clinton said we're sending troops peacekeeping troops to Bosnia I remember it was my birthday December 19th and I had been working with I was working in Salt Lake City an NBC affiliate a medium market you know here in America not at a big network and I'd been working with the, some local military that I knew might get called up. And I said, I have to go. And the way I, I was the first in the world also to be embedded with an army troop in Bosnia. And this was, I was, you know, young. And I remember my boss said, you, you don't have any experience. I'm not going to send you. And I said, well, I'm the only one with permission. If you don't send me, I'm going to take my permission across the street and go work for somebody else. You know, I'm telling the story, and the story I wanted to tell was not the political. These are men and women. They, the government was, you know, they're fighting, military is fighting for money for families to help the families when their husbands and wives are away. And, you know, so many things were getting cut in the budget, and, I, and that's how I sold it to the military, to the Department of Defense. I said, if you want people to get behind you, I don't care what side of the political fence you're on, you've got to show these people as human and stop, not machines. We mm-hmm. need to see their personal lives. So my pitch was, I want to live and eat and breathe and do what they do as they do it and show the real story. So my stories was, were them writing letters from home. You know, we were freezing cold. We had to go through, you know, landmine and sniper training because there was more landmines around, around Bosnia. I mean, it was, it was this – and they were – and these guys, you know, were Army Reserve. So that's, I did that on purpose too. These guys were doctors and lawyers and like us, right, media, journalists, and that got called to serve. And I felt their stories were so amazing. And then fast forward to being in Afghanistan with the Apache helicopter unit. And I didn't actually get to go in an Apache. I did. Well, that's not true. I did. But I was so honored. I got to sit in once to feel that. But of course, for, you know, safety and you never get to ride Mm -hmm. in one, you know, because that's, 
know, that would just be something. But I just remember the feel of sitting in it. And I remember when I first sat in it, I think I had that same smile that you might have saw, this, wow, I can't believe this is amazing, and then immediately stopped smiling because this is a war weapon. This is not a game. And that it was this very sobering moment, to that feeling of the weight of what these men and women must feel that when they go and to fly. And, and it was the stories that I was looking for. And, and I found so many stories. And it was, again, and to be honest, um, there was, and this is, I think, so telling, there was, um, unfortunately, when we were there, there was a bombing and we were all put in bunkers. But these bunkers were just these open, you could see people running by. It was like a bunch of sandbags lined up. So it wasn't like underground or anything like that. And they kept saying the base is under attack, the base is under attack, this is not a drug. And when I was in there with these men and women, they all started talking about if they got out of this, what they would do. And they, you know, and they said, you know, I promised my wife that I would take her and do this. And I never did make that trip. And somebody else said, I promise I take my kids to Disneyland. I'm going to do that trip. And it's right after doing Afghanistan and having a long career in journalism and getting home and doing the documentary is when I decided, you know, somebody asked me, did you have any regrets if, if this was your last day? And I thought, did I tell everybody that I love that I love them? Do they know that? Am I, am I telling stories that are uplifting? And I thought I was when I started in TV news that I was making a difference, changing laws, investigative. And, and the news has changed, as we know, a lot. And this was even mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And I decided I want to tell uplifting, empowering stories. I want to tell, when I go home and tell my mom and grandma stories, I don't want them to cover their ears. Like, I don't want to hear this about this story. And I really realized <laughs> that this passion that I'd had as a child to write screenplays and to write a novel and to do both this is what I want to do. And this, and it, it started too. I interviewed um, a very well-known and who, you know, I respect so much, you know, screenwriter, kind of like a, a triple threat, you know, a writer, an author, and, and, you know, just, he, he does so many things. And when I was interviewing him, he said, he stopped in the middle and said, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And I said, exactly what you're doing. And didn't even think, and he goes, we'll do it. And I said, no, I'm a reporter. This is my career. This is what I've done. You don't just stop and go write a screenplay. I, you know, I don't have contacts in Hollywood. I don't have that upbringing um, to have any family or anything like that that maybe, you know, would know someone that would know someone. And he just said, well, with your personality, you should do it. And his voice was in my head all the, you know, when I was in Afghanistan. So when I did, you know, thinking that this is what I'm going to do, you know, this, I'm going to, I'm, I started with travel. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to find new stories and they're going to help me tell these other stories. So it's very full circle. Everything is, and I think that is how it is for all of us. Everything's connected. And if you can tell a story, a Christmas story, any story, and it comes from a place of authenticity and heart, and you can connect with somebody in their own story and maybe take them on a journey, especially a journey of escape right now that we all need. That's, what I think all of us storytellers are trying to do. That's what we should be trying to do. We should be using the God-given gifts that, you know, we're given as to be able to write and tell stories and share that with people and, and help people. That's at least my thoughts on it. Uh, that That's an incredible story. And, you know, they don't call you the storyteller for nothing. But <laughs> your stories are based on lived experiences, which is just absolutely awesome. And, um, and just... I, you know, and now that makes me want to go watch the documentary to see how that was all, mm-hmm. you know, once it was all put together and conveyed to the public. Um, and I love the fact that you were able to capture those men and women over there serving in, you know, that capacity. So that I think that just kind of makes it a lot more realistic and, and 
um, identifiable for people here back in the States who can see that, who sometimes wonder, what do they do over there? What all do they have to do? You know, Um, so that's, you know, that was pretty incredible what you did. Oh, well, I felt honored that they let me into their lives. You know, it's a very private life. It's a very, usually we don't get to have that glimpse. And that's why when they said you're the first in the world to be embedded in Bosnia, and I didn't think, you know, journalists, of course, we want to be first and tell a story. But it also felt like a huge honor, but a huge responsibility that I'm representing these men and women and their families. And when I went to Bosnia, I remember it's so hard back this was you know gosh bosnia was 1996 so quite a long time ago and it was so hard to get information they were still writing letters at that time and i remember i met the families they asked me to come before i went over and they all wrote letters and said if you find my husband if you find my daughter if you find my son will you get these letters to him because even though i went over there i had to go on my own and find my soldiers because i didn't know in bosnia they went before i could get the permission from my boss at work to go and by the time i got permission they'd left so i had to like i remember i took a photographer crazy enough to go with me and flew to germany and then i had to go through the same landmine and sniper training course in order to be eligible to even go in country and find them and then to find when I found him, I think that was one of the most joyous moments that I had. And I still cry on those commercials, you know, or, or those TV news that right when the dad comes home or the mom comes home and says, mm-hmm. child, Oh my gosh, I still cry. And, you know, and, and, and to be, I was the one finding them. I felt like they were all my family and they certainly were after I spent a month with them, but I've never been happier to see anyone when I found them, you know, because I, it, it wasn't an easy situation when you're first going into any kind of a military operation. You know, there's a lot going on. And I was the only journalist, and I was certainly shouldn't have been a priority and wasn't to find them. So I was kind of on my own, using my own investigative skills. Where are they? I was, sometimes I was told, oh, they've already gone over to Bosnia, or oh, they're still here in Germany, you know, and it was tough. But even this, you know, this latest movie that I wrote, Christmas Camp, you know, I have one of the people that go to Christmas Camp is a mom. And it's her first Christmas without her son, and her son is serving in the military. And I actually heard from that actress after she did the role and said, you know, thank you for writing that. You know, thank you for, you know, telling that part of the story. Even though it's a very small, you know, part of this bigger story, uh, uh-huh. she just said just, just to remember, just to so everyone can connect, you know, if they know someone or have someone overseas. And that, that means a lot. And, I, of course, I think that comes from that experience I have. You know, all, all of us storytellers are pulling from the different experiences that we have in our lives. And then we could share that and try to find the best way to tell stories that will entertain and uplift people. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, before, before Dawn goes into her next questions and to make her comments about what you just said, as a mother of a Marine, I want to thank oh. you for doing that because um, even though my son was deployed but not into the combat zones, it you know, it's stressful because he still couldn't tell us where he was and he was on a ship and, you know, you just wonder and you worry and you pray all day long, you know, please make sure my son is safe and everybody with him and that they get home in one piece. And, you know, so you really, you know, I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart oh. for doing that. Well, thank your son and, and all the brave men and women and, and really the families. I think that's what people forget that, they're over there, but the families give up so much. I, you know, I have such good friends and different places I've lived. A lot of times there have been military bases when I was a TV reporter coming up in the ranks. 
And one of them was South Dakota, and they had Ellsworth Air Force Base at the time. And so I was really close, and I, I dated someone that was in the Air Force and kind of got brought into that world and really got to see that, the family. But the families that stay home, boy, that is tough on them, too. And the parents mm-hmm. like you, I mm-hmm. I just and, – and, and such an honor to your son. And I think at the holidays, it's so – it's always important to remember. But I actually went there. I was there for Christmas because I left in Bosnia. I left on December 19th. And I, you know, found them before. And, you know, they, it, it means so much to them to know that people back home, but they worry so much about you. Like your son's worrying probably more about how you're worrying about him. And so now we're so lucky that we have FaceTime and Skype. And, but again, a lot of these soldiers are, are in places that can't communicate for security reasons. So right. they are mm-hmm. cut off. Right. And that's where, you know, oh, but yeah. I think, I think we can all just honor and remember and anything I can, you know, I can ever do. I, want to be a part of that because that's the ultimate sacrifice for all of the families and the men and women. It's just, it's amazing. They are, they are my heroes. Absolutely. Every day. Well, in addition to being a phenomenal journalist um, and reporter, you have become quite the storyteller of a fictional nature. And uh, and I want to first off, before we launch into the uh, Christmas segment of our interview, <laughs> I have to talk to you about the huge Netflix hit, A Christmas Prince, which premiered last year. You wrote the original screenplay for that. When you wrote that, Um, did you ever expect it to become as popular and grow the way it did? Because every time I was, you know, on social media last holiday season, even into this year, there was all kinds of stuff popping up about this movie. And, and, you know, and you're thinking about when you think about the holiday season and how, you know, how big it is, we always think of Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries being the dominant Christmas entertainment source on television. But that really kind of put Netflix like on the map in terms of holiday movies. I think it just really propelled them forward. And then look at this year, what they're doing. So what were your, ex- I mean, what did you, uh, did you expect it to get that big? And, and how, you know, what has it been like for you as a screenwriter? Well, it's such a, it's, it's so funny because it's still surreal to me. I, I had the Google alert. I joked back in the day I had to take it off because I was getting, you know, 360 Google alerts an hour of different <laughs> media outlets, different ones. Oh, my goodness. And I literally was like, oh, I have to turn this thing off. So I turned it off a long time ago. But then when I started with my book, and, of course, you know, they're having the sequel, I mm-hmm. turned it back on. And, and then it's, people are still watching. I just saw it talk to somebody actually in Toronto. Well, I just watched it last night, you know. And so – I'm like, of course, we're getting close to a holiday season. People watch it during the summer. But the funny thing about that is I actually originally wrote that thinking it was going to Hallmark. Ah. So when I originally wrote it, the producer that produced it does um, a lot of the royal stories that, you know, Hallmark has a royal story every year. Mm -hmm. And so he loved another script of mine. And he, we were talking, and he wanted that script as well. And he said it'd be perfect on the Hallmark Channel. And he said, but, you know, I do a royal. Do you have any royal ideas? I said, you know, of course, a writer, yes. And then you think of it. You know, I'm like, of course, yes, of course. And he's like, great, send me what you have. And that's when I started thinking of the Will and Kate and the experience, and wouldn't it be great to do? Of course, I'm a journalist with so an undercover. And I came up with, you know, this idea. And so I wrote it on what we say on spec. So I just wrote it quickly. I'm very blessed that I can write quickly. I think it's my journalism background of telling a story every day and having to turn at 5, 6, and 11, you know, a different story. So I come from that journalism, um, maybe discipline of working that quickly. 
So I turned the story, and we, you know, there's different styles for different networks, of course. And so I wrote it in that vein of that's where we thought this was going to go. And then when I found out that it was sold to Netflix, there were so many different emotions going on because this was my first movie I'd sold, my very first. And again, my heart was Hallmark and Lifetime movies. This, you know, that's my, mm-hmm. like, that was what I'd always dreamed of. But then I'm told it went to Netflix, and that is, you know, they're the streaming giant, and they're they're the up and comers, and I love being mm-hmm. part of what they're doing. So it was, it was, but that was just feeling this double feeling, like oh, oh, you know, at the same time, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're like oh, oh, you know, how do you react? Because and then you find out I'm the first. It's an original from right. their very first original, and you know, again, who doesn't want to be first? So when that came out, I remember because think about this. I mean, we're, we're all smart. We all know Hallmark. We, there is a dedicated audience lifetime. There is a dedicate, we know what we're going to get. And that's, and that's what they say too. We have a brand. We are on brand. We have a huge responsibility. You know, that's what any good company says. And so all of a sudden I'm saying the Netflix audience, a lot of them has probably never watched these other networks. So how is this going to come how is this going to fly? You know, how is this going to work? So I was curious. I, I was, I was very curious to how this, I thought, to be honest, I thought some people are going, this is just corny. This doesn't, this isn't my Netflix ish type of stuff. What is this? And then I knew that the audience that loves Hallmark and Lifetime would find it and go, yay, you know, a happy little movie. And I knew <laughs> that. And it's kind of what happened. I mean, no, I don't think anyone, no, none of us, there's no one that could expect what happened. And the fact, you know, and I, I love it. I tell people I love, they say, oh, were you sad about the people who are like, I hate it so much. I'm going to poke my eyes out. I think somebody actually did like that. But then they said, but I'm going to watch it 10 more times. And then, no, but in the same thing, they go, I hate it. I'm doing this, but I'm going to watch it 10 more times. That was a very hip, there was this hip love hate thing that happened with it. It became cultish to complain about how bad it was, but yet to keep, keep watching it. And then, of mm-hmm. course, the Netflix infamous tweet that we all know, you know, about, you know, what was, oh, gosh, don't quote me. I should know this by heart. I should have it like it's done, you know, in like on my, in my house, you know, this quote. But it was to the, what, to the 53 people who watched A Christmas Prince every day for the last 19 days who hurt you. You know, that was their own tweet. And then when that went viral, and that went viral in so many different ways, there were people that thought it was hilarious. There were people that were offended. And I remember Whoopi, who I love, on The View going, you know, something to the effect of, how dare you, Netflix, Christmas shame me. You know, I watched it, and I like it. <laughs> you know, and, and she's, I just adore her. I have that on my website. Everyone listening, KarenShaler.com. Go under Christmas Prince Press because I have Whoopi. I love her. And then Stephen Colbert did this brilliant monologue he's also on my website because of course i had to have him too and and it i'm just laughing and i'm laughing so hard i'm practically crying and i'm seeing all the social and it just went crazy crazy and i knew i just i i thought wow this is something but i also knew as a writer that this was going to open up other networks were going to say wait a minute wait I can get that kind of audience, and I can't quote this for myself, but I have seen on other the producers, you know, um, websites talking about. I knew that it was the number one most watched movie at Christmas because that was out, but I've heard it's um, Netflix's number two most watched movie, <laughs> and I I'm still like trying to find that, but that's out there, you know, in the media. That blows my mind, but. But you know what? It was great because we're doing this. I mean, Pam and Don, what you do to share Christmas stories with people and people love them so much. And you are helping people find the ones. And because it's getting hard now, 
And I know you guys are going to talk about that because the expansion, and there's so many, so you can kind of give people like a help of like this, this one and this, and kind of behind the scenes of what really happens to tell these stories. And it's like all of us, we saw that and went, what happened with Netflix and went, this has just changed the Christmas game. This has mm-hmm. changed everything. And I, I yeah. say let us be part of it. What a difference a year makes because a year ago there were probably maybe, you know, a half, a little over half of the movies, original Christmas movies out there across all networks as opposed to this year. And I think what Lifetime had six last year, they got 15, yes. 14 or 15. Yes. Um, you know, even um, even Up TV, they've got six or seven and they Absolutely. had maybe two last year. So net, what happened on Netflix? Really, what happened on Netflix with your movie? It just, it was a game changer across the board. And honestly, um, I think it has opened up a whole new avenue for Netflix. They can be as creative. I mean, you look at what they're doing this year with the holiday movie season. So moving forward, I I believe that there's going to be a whole niche platform within Netflix that is, is going to be dedicated to this sort of thing, all because... You wrote this, and it landed there, and look at look at what it's done. And Netflix is not dumb. They realize the popularity of this movie and the audience that it's drawn. And in some cases, as you were saying, people who maybe haven't watched any other networks because they're diehard Netflix, but this has drawn in people who maybe were watching the other networks who weren't traditionally watching Netflix. So Absolutely. it's been a win-win across the board for everybody. Absolutely. And us, know. too, because – because they, you know, what Netflix puts their heart behind, and let's be honest, their budget is going to mm-hmm. succeed. You know, oh, they, yeah. they, they are dedicated of doing quality content. And as a writer and, and, you know, and a producer as well, and, you know, working in any industry, you just want to see your work up and, and, and to share it. You know, and it's your passion as a writer. You just want as many people to see it. So whether it's a TV network or streaming or a theater, that the idea is to share and to just have as much of it. And so, I mean, I was blown away when, when all of this happens, because, see, I already had started writing other Christmas movies. And, you know, that's what you do as a writer. You keep writing and not knowing that this was going to blow up like it, you know, went crazy. Yeah. And so I already had these other stories because this year, in the last 10 months, I have two Christmas movies and then got a two-book, well, a three-book deal with Harper Collins where I had to write two books and two Christmas movies in less than 10 months. Wow. And that, you know, and, and, and so I didn't stay on to write the sequel because I had already gone in this other direction. And, I'll, mm-hmm. and, and I'm honored because, you know, I'll always, they'll always be my characters. And I know that the story is, in a, you know, in fantastic hands, you know, going forward. And I'll have the credit on the screen, you know, based on the characters that I created. And it is, it's hard to leave a family sometimes, but, you know, fate happens in different ways. When you're already committed in a different direction, you have to go in the direction that you're going in. I had new stories to tell and try to, you know, continue to do. And I, I feel like that, that story, even that first, you know, that first couple months, people were calling it a classic. It actually made me cry. I mean, they were putting it up there with, you know, everyone watches a Christmas story every year, right? Like we all love Mm -hmm. that. I mean, we have our favorite Christmas stories and people were saying for whatever reason, the craziness, love it, hate it, love to hate it, that it's going to be a classic. And I I just felt so emotional because it's such a sweet story. You know, it's it's a sweet story. 
fairy tale. It, it has a little bit of, you know, all of the fun. And I hope that the takeaway, too, is don't judge a book by a cover, no pun intended. But, you know, right. especially with our royals <laughs> and especially with our celebrities. But, you know, take a moment and, and look at that. And, yes, I had, pe- I had people say, Karen, you were a hard news reporter. You know, she could never sneak in. How could you write that? And I said, now, keep in mind, Hollywood's a collaboration. The, the beauty of writing a book is I get to be my own director, producer, and I, an actor. You know, when you write a movie, it's different. You give it, you know, to the next people, and other people get involved, in the, and they know right. how to tell the story in the best way that they tell the story. It's a huge collaboration. But I had some hardcore journalist types saying, well, that investigative reporter wouldn't do this and that and write those kind of notes. And I'm like, you do remember, guys, it's a, it's a holiday movie. It is a yeah. Movie. <laughs> you know, people get really, because, again, they're not used to holiday movies. They're trying to make it something else, you know, some documentary. So, but even then I loved because, you know what, it continued the conversation. And we all know the power of Christmas movies, and we know what it right. can do, those of us that love it. And if it can reach a larger audience, I am beyond thrilled. And I'm so excited to see the slate. I have the same schedule you guys do. I'm like, I don't, you know, obviously it's saving it streaming. I'm going to be watching because it's sort of my job. I mean, I don't say sort of, it is my job. I must watch every Christmas movie that comes out because I'm writing, I'm pitching, I'm seeing what's successful, what the audiences want, what's going to work best for my next movies. So I need to watch everything. And I'm watch, looking at these slates and I'm, giddy and then I'm also like wow good thing yeah. I love this because I love this but it's just like you guys I mean Pam and Dawn I don't know how you're going to do it I really don't well <laughs> you know it's so funny that you say that because uh, when Pam and I started looking at all the initially like a couple months ago when you know of course we were kind of getting rumblings about all of the Hallmark movies but then here comes up and here comes Ion and I'm like and it just kept growing and then all of a sudden and of course Pam and I our goal is to live tweet these movies too so we were like we're yeah. just totally going to split up like some of these movies are going to air on the same night you take one I take one exactly. and thank goodness they'll be re-aired and and with the Netflix movies thankfully yes. you know aside from their initial premiere date you can watch them anytime day or night so it's like you know we're not set to a certain time for you know so that's good but um but yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be a huge undertaking, and we may get to the end of the season. And go, what were we thinking? But um, <laughs> but of course, hearing your story about you know the edge, I don't know. I think if you could handle that, we we've got you to be can up to do this it. Challenge, I you know? know you can do it. I know you can do it. I have no doubt. And I just want to thank you. You give us a voice, and and I know all of us that are honored to be on your show. But I, your listeners and and people with social. It is so important what you do. And, I yes, I come from a reporter background, so I have an even extra, you know, you're on my extra nice list because both of you, because of the hard work that you do. But I just hope you know how much you're appreciated because it is a lot to keep up with. And, you know, it used to be there was only two or three every night maybe you'd down or every Saturday night, you know, you'd get in front of the TV and here we go. And, boy, the game has changed. But I couldn't be happier. These are the kind of stories – you know, what happened to our rom-coms, right? What happened to all those stories we love? They sort of disappeared. And that's sort of how I started even doing this as well, because I had a great rom-com idea, and they're like, nobody's making them. And I said, well, who's still doing the heartfelt, positive, inspiring, uplifting movies that I want to write? And I'm like, oh, let me go over to Hallmark. Let me go over to Lifetime. Let me uh, now Netflix and Ion and Up and, you know, Freeform. Yeah. Okay. This is where I, I have a home now. And thanks to last year, I have a lot more places to pitch my stories. 
Yes, you do. And we are very excited um, because that movie is phenomenal. And uh, and so now everything else that you, you know, Pam and I are just sitting and anxiously waiting for everything else that's coming out that you have done. Oh, and speaking that's fine. of, Thank you. Lifetime is going to be airing a movie that you wrote as original screenplay for, Every Day is Christmas, starring Tony Braxton. Oh, my gosh, the cast in this, you know, Tony Braxton and the like is just amazing. And it comes out November 24th. I believe. Yeah. Um, but I have to ask, what inspired you to write this story? Oh, I was, you know, this, this was really a dream come true. Um, I, I talked about how it's collaboration at its best. You know, we always hear in any industry, collaboration can be tricky and things like that. And this is such a success story for me. And this was unique. So with Christmas prints, I wrote a spec, you know, and I had un, unagented, didn't have an agent, and, you know, how do you break in? It's, it's that crazy story of, of that. But I wrote it because I had the heart and I believed in my story and I felt like it would find a home. And I was so blessed that it did. And then I wrote Christmas Camp, my next movie, also was a spec. And I found a home for it. And that's when I decided that I also, I, was, I fell in love with the story so much, I decided I also had to write the books and we can talk about that later. But then during this time, I had pitched another one of my stories to Lifetime because, you know, of course you pitch the top players and you know what you want to work for the networks that I've watched and I respect and that I love. So I pitched another spec that I'd written. The screenplay was done and I got a call and they said, we really love this one. And actually my agent at the time, because I, I had an agent that was helping me by this time. And he said, they want you to come in. I said, oh, and talk about the movie, you know, that I'd written. And they said, yeah, they're, yeah, but they're really busy right now because they're working on their star show that's going to star um, Tony Braxton. It's going to be their showcase for the year coming up. And I said, oh, that's great. So we're, and, you know, that's nice about that. And so what about this? I said, should I pitch a different one than I already pitched? They said, no, no, just go in and see what they want to talk about with your other movie that you wrote. But when I went in, it turned out they wanted to talk to me about writing the Tony Braxton movie. And I was so wow. like, oh, and this, I'd already <laughs> been told this was the showcase, but they were really clear. And this is what I love about working with Lifetime. They're such great partners because they were very honest. They said, well, be honest, this is Tony Braxton. We have a lot of writers we're talking to, but we liked your style. We liked your writing and give it a pitch. And so the only thing they gave me, and it was a one-liner and, and it's actually on so I can say it, but they basically said, we want something inspired by Charles Dickens, a classic, a Christmas Carol-esque type movie that will star Tony and that has, you know, the, the past, present, and future. Go. You know, literally, like, okay, go. And so I think <laughs> this time it was a little different where I didn't have a spec and try to sell it to Lifetime. This time, and I, this was, I was so like, a Christmas Carol? It's like hollowed ground. Do I want to touch this? You know, I'm a yeah. sister, you know, right? I mean, I don't want to do this wrong, but I'd never done this. And it, I knew it wasn't going to be an ad- adaptation because we're doing modern day. It was just a, a one line, something to start a point, to give all of us writers to then go and, you know, go off and come up with something unique. And of course we all know the Scrooge story has been done. We have Bill Murray. I mean, there's been other Scrooge stories. So all I did and I guess this is my research, Jane. I have so much respect for, you know, Tony, um, just what I had learned about her prior to this. So I went and researched everything I could to find out about who she was, about her life. And I wanted to find something that I thought would resonate with her. Because if it, it you know, it's like we say, if it resonates with you, you're going to, you know, take it personal and take it to another level. And I thought with her life and the story and women and empowering women and strong women and so many of us, 
that struggle with career and that Christmas Carol angle doesn't matter, you know, that it was written all these years ago, that theme is, is still there, and you know, especially women, I think, executives. And so I created, and at the time, I honestly, to be honest, and, and, and Lifetime knows this too, I didn't think they were going to pick me. I just wanted to be a team player because I had another script of mine they liked. So I thought, oh, they're just kind of testing me. They, they want to make sure I play, you know, can, can do what they ask. So they have big writers. It's Tony Braxton. You know, they have a right. lot of really important <laughs> people. And, 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 again, they had told me, not just so you know, you know, we're talking to a lot of people, but, you know, give it a shot type of thing. And right. what they also know that same, the day I got the call to go in and meet with them was the day I was walking into HarperCollins, and I had just signed a three-book deal. It had gone to auction. My crazy idea, I'd finished Christmas Camp. Christmas Camp, the movie, had gone into production. I fell in love with the story so much. I wanted to tell more. I had just signed to do two books and to write them within the next eight weeks. So I really thought this isn't going to happen. And so when they, you know, you do, when I talk to Lifetime, I loved, I love what they do. I love the direction they're going. I love the, the messaging with women. I mean, I used to always watch them when they had a lot of Christmas movies, and they kind of got away from that. And I even talked with the executives. I said, I really miss that. You know, I really miss those stories that you used to have. And, you know, the network went in a different direction. And I was so excited that they were committing and doing even more at Christmas. And, you know, these stories that could be empowering, you know, for women and still have that heart of Christmas. And I was like, I love that. So I really, really wanted, you know, to do a story with them, but to be picked for this one. And so I wrote a, you know, I I quickly, I remember they said they gave me a week, but I didn't have a week because I had to write the books. I only had a couple weeks for that. So I thought, I'm just going to do it. So I stayed up overnight and I came up with, you know, six or seven pages and 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 an idea. And again, I wanted to show them that I, that I cared so much about it and I would work work on it quickly. But again, I didn't expect them to pick me and I sent it in and they called me back in. We talked a little more and did something else. And then I got the call that, you know, Tony liked it and, you know, her, her manager and the executive producer and the team at Lifetime and, and it was, they picked me and I, I'm still, to be honest, pinching myself. I'm not quite sure how that happened. And <laughs> I was, and talking with Tony was so great. We did a conference call because of course, you know, I, I'm in New York and the lifetime executives that brought me in are in New York and Tony and her manager are both in Los Angeles. And I remember going into it, you know, your first notes meeting, especially with a star, because they have to make it their own and they have to be comfortable. They'll have a lot of things like, I don't like this or I want this. But Tony was so intuitive and smart and had such good notes. It was like, oh, this is going to be such a pleasure. Because sometimes you hear the stories, I haven't had to do that, but you're like, oh, boy, that was challenging with that actor or actress. It wasn't like that. It's like she elevated me to another level. You know, she helped me be better. And same with Lifetime, because everyone, you have to stay on brand. It's I've never, it's challenging. It wasn't just me in my room creating a story like A Christmas Prince. I mean, this had to, from the start, be a collaboration and take in a lot of considerations. So I'm so excited and about how it turned out. And I got to go on set where I learned so much more from the director. It was directed by David Weaver, and he was amazing. I actually brought my mom. I brought my mom on set, and I, you know, I just being there on set and seeing your words come to life and really understanding, wow, okay, I have a scene that has a lot of people. I can see how challenging, or oh, wow, and it just made me a better writer. And I just mm-hmm. couldn't have been – it was challenging. It was a quick turn for us, you know, to do this. And the cast, I mean, you know, we have Gloria Rubin and Michael J. White, and we have Tawanda Brooks. I mean, we have so many, you know, so many talented actors. And I remember just being like a kid going, oh, you're the perfect Jeff, or oh, you're so – because, you know, you imagine these characters, and then these actors bring them to life. And it, it, was, it was pretty magical. I mean, it was, 
it was just something that, and I'm so excited for viewers to see this movie. I think it's really going to resonate. And I remember the uh, Lifetime executive saying that it wasn't the, there's, you know, it kind of sometimes in a box, you know, a certain what everyone expects and it wasn't what everyone expected. And I, you know, I, I can only do what's in my heart and what, you know, would kind of speak to me. And then you hope it connects with the executives and the star and, you know, everything that's happening. And, you know, there was talk that this wasn't exactly on maybe brand, maybe at the beginning, you know, of course we got exactly what it needed to be, but I think sometimes taking a chance and maybe like the edge walk, right. You know, you take a chance on something and you go for it. And you, as long as your whole heart's into it, that's all you can ask. And, and if you don't get picked, that's okay. It wasn't your story to tell and you'd go on to your next story. But I was really blessed in this one that I got picked and I'm so proud and so excited for everyone to see this movie. Uh, and we can't wait as well. That I mean, just to read through it, it looks like it's going to be an awesome movie. And you can't go wrong when you cast Tony Braxton in it. And you know, and, and Pam and I did see where Lifetime was touting this as their you know lead, you know leading movie for the holiday season. So we knew it was going to be good um, even before we knew the backstory to this. And um, so we are definitely looking forward to it. And. Um, also, I mean, you've had so many things happening. It seems like all at once, especially it, for this holiday season, particularly. Oh, but yes. c- congratulations <laughs> on your recent release of your book, Christmas Camp. That's um, I'm looking forward to reading it. I'm I'm kind of waiting to just. I guess I'm going to read in between watching all these movies, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but I'm seriously looking forward to reading this book. And um, and now it's my understanding that you wrote the screenplay for the movie. Um, first and then um the book is that correct it is and it's so isn't it so backwards you guys i know i know <laughs> it only, is only i <laughs> only, well it's great because well, holly, holly loves to buy complete screenplay i know and hollywood loves to buy of course the book you know and the book to screen and i even had a, a, another strong a while ago again more uh, a feature film romantic comedy and i actually wrote the screenplay but i knew i'd do it better if i wrote the book and got the book optioned you know that was my idea because i know they like to option books and then make movies you know and again the researcher in me but in this case this movie you know really spoke to me because christmas camp is tied in with when I left television news, I created Travel Therapy TV, and that's what I do, these TV segments to inspire and empower people through travel. It's like pick the trip based on what you're going through in life. And I have a nonfiction book that came out about it. Where like if you're stressed, go here. If you're trying to connect with your family, go here. And it's you know kind of that thoughtful travel and empowering travel way before the millennials, you know, this year was talking about moments, celebrating moments. I mean, I was talking about this 10 years ago because travel was my fee when I would come back from these very difficult stories, just like watching the Christmas movies at the holiday season was my therapy. So this was, they're all tied together. And one of the things when I created Christmas camp, you know, it's a story about um, her name's Haley. She's lovely, but she's a workaholic. And she's more about selling Christmas than actually taking the time to experience it. And so she gets this great opportunity to land this big account that's going to get her this huge promotion. But it's a traditional Christmas account. And her boss is like, no, you know, you're not the one I would pick. You're not, you, you go to the Caribbean every year. What are you thinking? But she wants it so bad and says, I'll do anything. And they say, fine, then go to Christmas camp. It's a week long. You go up to this charming New England inn, and you're going to be immersed in all things Christmas. It's like a holiday attitude adjustment is what I called it. And so she has to go to this Christmas camp, and I call it like a Christmas boot camp type of thing. But even that is loosely based, of course, on travel therapy, because travel therapy is about inspiring and empowering people by going to different places. So by getting away 
finding yourself the hectic holiday season. You don't go at Christmas. You go prior so you can disconnect to reconnect and what matters most. So you're ready for the holidays. You know, I say where the best present is being present. You're not on your phone. You're not stressed about this, but you take this time out. And so Christmas camp, you know, when I got done writing it, so I'm, you know, writing the screenplay and it was a fast, it was a fast turn to get it into production. It goes into production. It's being shot. And I'm going, well, I really, I have so much more of the story to tell, you know, and I, and I got this idea, which was a little crazy. And it was, gosh, when I'm trying to think of the exact date, March, April, right around there. So I should write the book because I also had the sequel. I wanted Christmas Camp Wedding. I had, I hate it when you watch it in the kiss and then you have to wait a year. I thought, wouldn't that be an awesome gift to do the book and then you immediately get to see, you know, instead of waiting a year and that could come out like a little stocking stuff or a little novella and could be more of the story. And so I got this idea and I reached out to my literary agent of 10 years ago. So it's not like I'm talking to her all the time and said, hey, remember me? And I give her my little idea and she goes, you do know you missed the window to pitch publishing by almost a year. They've already picked their Christmas books. They've already been sold. And I was, I was just so, you know, enamored in this story. So she said, okay, we'll take a shot. There's only the big five, you know, so, so to speak. Well, I'll put it out mm-hmm. there and we'll see. But where she's smart, because now she's on the marketing side, she goes, you wrote the Christmas Prince. You're, that's kind of a big deal. So from mm-hmm. the writer of a Christmas Prince comes the next holiday hit, right, this novel. And so if you see on the book, it even says on the book, it, it's twofold on the top because as I've shared with you, I can't say the network until the network says the network. You know, all writers sign confidentiality right. clauses that we can't release. And, and that's fair. It's their movie. So we just mm-hmm. have on the top of the book soon to be a major TV movie. And then underneath Christmas Camp, it says from the writer of the hit movie, A Christmas Prince. And so the blessing was that it actually went to auction. We took out the crazy idea of me to do this in this Christmas, this year. And everyone jumped in, and it went to auction, and I couldn't be more proud that HarperCollins, William Morrow imprint, picked it up, and not only picked up Christmas Camp and Christmas Camp Wedding, but optioned a third novel for 2019, Unnamed Christmas, we're calling it The Unnamed Christmas, so I'll have a Christmas book come out next year as well. And so I had to write it, and at the same day I'm going in to sign the contract is when Lifetime called. And about that, and again, I didn't think, you know, I've just been wanting to meet with the Lifetime folks because I, I love them so much. I, you know, I love what they're doing and who they stand for and just wanted to get in the door. So, of course, I'm going to take a meeting. And then when this all came around, I had to do both at the same time. Yeah. And like I've been quoted saying, and it is true, I, you know, everyone says you're an overnight success, two movies, two books, and, you know, and more things coming out. I said I worked 10 years for that. I've worked yeah. so hard for mm-hmm. 10 years for this one opportunity. And while A Christmas Prince, in a way, opened the door, this was all in the motion before anyone knew about that. So it was really a lot of hard work, and then everything happens at once. And I couldn't say, sorry, too tired, too busy. You know, I had to find yeah. the time, make it happen, yeah. make it work, and just throw my whole heart into it. And, you know, it, in the book, what I love about a novel is, you know, when you write a screenplay, it's maybe 100 pages, you know, rough, give or take, depending on you know, what network, if it's streaming or what have you. But, you know, a novel is like 360 pages. And so mm-hmm. because I did the movie first, I had to add, you know, usually it's the other way around. I got this big book, 380, and they have to take the best stuff, the tidbits, and then, of course, add your Hollywood dust right. to make it movie-friendly. Mm-hmm. Movie but in my case, I already had the movie, 
I wanted, I got to add more and then I didn't want to go too far from the story because I knew people would watch the movie, but I, I was, I did, you know, there were areas that I definitely got to do more that maybe I knew wasn't in the budget, you know, to do in the movie because, wow, we can't do, you know, a sledding scene or something that's going to cost too much when we're shooting in, you know, summer or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then I got to put it in the book. So it was right. a way to take kind of the best of both worlds and, and hope that people can connect with it. And that way too, it's not like, oh, I saw the movie. I don't need to read the book or vice versa. They're both right. different enough with the same heart and the same story of course you know of course you don't want to mess with that but there's enough that both you'll take you'll get the takeaway and you'll feel really excited and then as I was sharing with you ladies I just got back from Toronto and you you know you know what happened there which this talks about life sends you a curveball when I found out that this Christmas camp tv movie that I've been so excited that I wrote the book has gotten an international release in movie theaters and I, to be That's honest, amazing. I just saw it in a movie theater, and I'm pinching myself because I, I, it's on the marquee. You know, it's pouring down rain in Toronto last night, and it's just stormy and blustery. And they, I drove up, and it's this huge marquee, and number three on the marquee, it says Christmas Camp in Lights. You know, you're just like, that's like right. a dream come true. And there's a oh, movie yeah. poster, and I'm sitting in a theater. I'm just like, oh, oh, you know, I... I don't know. I'm still kind of pinching myself if I sound a little, you know, like I have the Christmas merriment in my blood right now. I just and then that's when you say, "Is this real life? Yes, you know, is really? it really happening?" And and all I could think of is that means more people will see it. You know, of course I'm googling it. You know, I'm a reporter, and I see it comes up in Romania, and I'm seeing all these places, and you know, I'm just. That's amazing. But that's our world now. People are making movies not just for traditional networks or their networks and they're crossing over to streaming or networks are making them for international. Everybody's crossing over. And so I think it's important for writers writing, you know, you have to be on brand. But at the end of the day, you can't, you have to know if I'm writing it for Netflix or Lifetime or Hallmark, there's a brand I need to be on brand. But then you also always want to think a little bigger because, it might be able to go bigger, you know, and make sure that everyone's happy with it. Just don't ever put yourself in a pigeonhole too much. I think mm-hmm. that's so important, but it's been, it has been one wild Christmas. And even my family's like, wait, now which movie's coming? And when? And wait, what? The book? What? <laughs> we got a book? What? Yeah. My, dad, my dad is like so confused. He's just like so confused. To do that. I mean, he's like, wait, I, when is Tony? I love Tony. Just tell me when Tony's movie's on. I know. You know? It's like, you know, that's all I need to know. It's like Pam and I, we, you know, we toss back and forth. Okay. Is this the week that such and such movie's coming out? And we'll look at our schedule. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's coming out in two weeks. You know, because know. we have talked about so many different movies in the last couple of months. So, um, she even said to me one day, she said, how can you keep all the actors straight? I said, well, it's like learning a new genre of music and you're listening to it on the radio. Sooner or later, you just kind of put it all together. But especially when you it Oh, my gosh. But, um, yeah, well, congratulations on all that. That is, that's amazing. And, uh, and uh, you know, you are having going to have an tremendous holiday season because you imagine what the viewers are going to have being able to see all this come to life on screen um internationally and you know on television screens everywhere it's it's going to be a real treat for sure oh thank you and and thank you for you know just helping us share the story i, I mean i can't speak for all writers but I, you know i know that at least in my case and I feel it's the same with many that I know we, we want to tell a story and we want to touch people and we want to share joy and happiness. And, you know, we've had a really rough few years, no matter what side of the political fence you're on, you know, we need healing, we need hope, we need uplifting. And if a movie I write or a book that I write can do that for even a second, then, then I feel truly honored. And, and I feel that's my goal. My goal is to try and give back because that was given to me, you know, growing up, these are the movies I grew up with. 
you know, I was always saying not everyone has the perfect family. Not everyone, you know, has joy at the holidays, but these movies can almost be your family. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can have comfort and joy from them. And that's why what you're doing and by showcasing them and, and helping people find them, it's so important. So I thank you both for what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. Thank you. Now, with all the writing that you have done throughout the years and in all respects, there's still one book left for you to write, and that's a book about your life. So what would you call it? What would you call it? What would the title be? Oh, gosh. Oh, that's that's such good questions. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to have to think. I love titles. Titles are my favorite. I only the only thing that comes to mind, but it wouldn't work as a title because we couldn't use it on social because it's not tweetable. But I think that phrase that's in my head every day now: What would you do if you, you couldn't fail? That is that's just voice is in my head, and and I think that would not be the title of my book, but that might be you know I think that would be the guiding light to me because mm-hmm. you know I really have come from you know a unique kind of background and just a regular background. Like I said, I didn't know anybody. I actually left home at 17 to be, um, I wanted to go to school in LA and it was my, you know, my mom raised me and she was a private school, I mean, public school teacher and, you know, poor public school teachers, we didn't have a lot. And so I couldn't go out of state. We couldn't afford it. So I found a way to be a nanny my senior year of high school for a family in Los Angeles. And that would allow me to get residency so I could go to Cal State Fullerton, which had a communications and broadcasting school that I wanted to go to. And so I actually left home at 17 with this mission and this drive of this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. But I knew nobody. And I gave up my senior year to go to a school that did have a lot of Hollywood folks. And, you know, it was a very, it was Calabasas High School, so it had a very affluent neighborhood. And I'm just this little girl from, you know, regular, you know, regular means, so to speak. And it's one of the reasons I didn't go immediately into screenwriting. I actually had um, Dr. Ron Dias who is no longer with us, but he was an amazing screenwriter. He taught one of my classes and I took it for kind of for fun on the side. Cause I always, you know, thought that would be amazing. And that was my plan be a reporter, see the world, then write my books and movies. You know, this was my master plan at like 14. And I remember he said, you have a gift in screenwriting, you know, and, and he goes, you should do this. And I thought, I don't know anyone in Hollywood. I, I don't even have the money. I can't even live here after call. I got to get out of here. You know, I can't afford <laughs> to live here. And, and I went on, you know, to be a news reporter and to, to do that. And then all of a sudden, it was right after Afghanistan when things kind of switched where I said, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? And it was time. It was just time. It was time to, to – I always loved what I did as a reporter. There was never a moment I was reporting that I regretted it. And it's that moment that, you know, it just led up to. I said, it's the next chapter of my life. You know, it's the next thing that I'm going to do. So I love that question. I'm going to write that question down about what my story would be, you know, and I'm going to think about that because you can't, I tell all writers and people that are, you know, aspiring writers, you can't do anything until you have a title because it focuses you. Yeah. And sometimes with working with networks, they'll change your title on you a bunch. And I'm like, you don't understand. It's not mm-hmm. just changing the title. You're messing with my head here because right. you know, I have like the title starts me. That is true. <laughs> but I like I love that question but do you think I don't know if I could write my own story you know I don't know that would be tough I had 
uh, a great writer, uh, Gerald Brunner, did a feature on me for Forbes that came out a couple weeks ago, the same time my book release was on November 16th. And it was right at that time. And she did this interview. And you, you can see from listening, I'm very chatty. I'm, I, I share a lot of stories. I'm quite this, I'm a two-year-old still in the store where someone says, does she ever stop talking? But Gerald, <laughs> all of that, was found a way to put a story together. And so if you can look her up, Gerald Brunner, and it's a, a piece that ran on, is still on Forbes. It just came out a couple weeks ago. But I thought it was such a great job of kind of the overview of all that we kind of talk okay she has this movie and she's doing this and this is what happened here and I, I thought how would I how can you ever write your own story I think it'd be hard I think because you see it differently unless you had people chime in like you know people that impacted you along the way the people you worked with that could tell antidotes about you maybe maybe that way you could I don't know what I would tell well it's either <laughs> that either that way or you can just get somebody that's a typist or you know set a recorder up and you just start talking and talking and talking and then when you're done you pick pieces from it and you know what you think stood out the most to you um you know and have your mom or your grandma or your dad or somebody you know chime in and tell what their favorite story was about you or you know you could put i know you can do this okay i I know you you can do this both of you when when i when i do this you're both going to be you'll be that you're going to be my i'm going to have you tell a story about how when you told me i should do this (laughs) well you have you have such amazing stories that without a doubt you you could fill up a book with them you know and and they would be easily easily Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I feel, and you know, as a storyteller myself, I feel blessed. And I, I think it's curious. Somebody asked me, what's the one trait you need to have? And I, I always say curiosity. And I'm just curious. You know, you want to ask questions and, and you want to find, you want to find, and even if you don't like the answers, that's okay. You just want to keep asking questions. And I think, you know, in the holiday season, and you know, somebody asked, one of my friends just called me just yesterday, said, oh, what are you, you know, you're like Christmas Karen. I go, well, I was born December 19th. You know, I said, I, I maybe that mm-hmm. has something to do with it. But I think growing up, you know, as a child, you know, everyone loves their birthday, of course, and everyone loves Christmas. And mine were a week apart, and they were right next to each other. And so what a joyful time of year, you know, where we're celebrating so much more at Christmas, and then my birthday, and I've just I've always, you know, according to my mom, you know, I, I, I guess my first, when I turned uh, one week old, they put a little bow on the top of my head. You know, there's some picture somewhere. I know I will not show you, ladies, but there's some picture somewhere, <laughs> some little bow on my head, you know. So I that sprinkled the Christmas magic into my brain at a very young age. But these the stories are just they're amazing. And, and what I like is the non-traditional writers are now getting into the game, right? And that might have been some of the Netflix and just some of the success of Christmas. And Hallmark has you know, done such an amazing job in Lifetime as well. But you have other writers that never have written this genre are jumping in and they're bringing, they're bringing some new nuances to the stories. And that's upping everyone's game, I think, you know. And I'm so excited to watch them and see a little bit of a twist. I mean, we have to have, there's certain things that we have to have at Christmas. But I love just stepping outside the box a little bit and bringing some new voices and some new players into this game. And man, it's just going to competition. I think is fantastic for all of us that and when you're strong, you're going to stay strong and it just elevates you. And when you're an up and comer, you're going to, you're going to get in there. That's how I feel right now. I'm still new in this game and I'm just inspired. And I see moving. I, I write down, that's how I found, that's how I started. I watched all the movies and wrote down. I like this one who produced it. Okay, who who starred in it? Who who you know who's what's the production company? 
And I would just, I had a little diary and then I'd start, that's who I want to write for. That's who I want to work for. I like the way that they did this one. And so I really came at it from a researching aspect and saying like researching the stars. If you, if you know, like in the Tony Braxton case, again, it, all of this is a first. It was a first selling a spec script, a first selling with Christmas count. It's, I'm a first time novelist. So first, mm-hmm. lots of them. And first time writing for a star like Tony, that's a big responsibility. But she oh, yeah. was, she was amazing. And let me tell you, and you'll see when you see the movie, I did not write an easy movie for her to do. Um, and, you know, it wasn't like I tried to do that. It's just the story tells itself. So, you know, I, I'm sure writers tell you, do you plan your story and outline or do they fly by the seat of your pants? I'm a fly by the seat of your pants. I start writing and the story sort of takes over. And it is such a powerful story, but she is in almost every single scene. And it was funny, a sidebar story, you'd probably get mad at me, so I won't say who told me. But when I was on set, one of the people involved, uh, not Lifetime, not Tony's manager, anything like that, but said, you do know, because he knows I'm a new, newer writer, he goes, you do know you're supposed to give a star a break. You know, you're not, she's not supposed to be in every scene. <laughs> you know, she's in every scene. I go, well, it's Tony Bruxton. I want to see her in every scene, don't you? He's like, oh, yeah. I go, okay. You know, Tony. You, you have to be in every scene. You know, I mean, it's her movie, but she really brought it. I mean, I I tell you, I wrote a tough, I wrote a tough uh, just physically, you know, not to mention mentally and, and all the things that she had to do. And there's something magical when I was there watching her. I mean, I just, she just has a passion and puts into it. And, and I can't, you know, I can't speak of, of her process or any of that because I, I'm not privileged to that. But watching her shows me why she's Tony Braxton, you know, why she is the iconic singer, the mother, the sister, you know, all of that. Because when you watch her act, and, you know, she's a new actress, right? I mean, she hasn't been acting for 30 years or anything like right. that. She's a newer actress, but it's in her blood. She, she's got it. You know, she, yeah. she has the passion. And, you know, I hope, I hope that you will feel that when you watch this. I hope I did her justice. Oh, well, we are looking forward to it for sure. And, um, well, before we run completely out of time... <laughs> Oh, we no. have not. No, no, no. I know. I mean, it's just, you know, this is one of those things we could talk to you all day. I mean, you're just so fascinating. But we always like to wrap up every interview with a really fun five question lightning round that is strictly all Christmas related. There are Ooh, no fun. wrong answers. And um, just really fun questions that you get to answer and uh, to give us, you know, and the listeners a little bit of insight into some of your favorite things for the holiday season. Um, <laughs> So the first thing I want to ask is, what is your favorite Christmas tradition? Oh, I have so many. Oh, that's <laughs> going to be. Oh no, I'm, I'm, I seriously do. Well, I think one of them is is a newer one, and it's actually in Christmas camp. But my stepdad, who unfortunately passed, um, sorry, before last Christmas, um, I would make him these his favorite sugar cookies, and he loved um, carrot cake. And so we would make sugar cookies with cream cheese frosting because really it was just a delivery for his cream cheese that he liked so much frosting. And so that's been a tradition for us for, um, you know, more than 20 years. And so in Christmas camp, I actually even have the recipe in the book of the sugar cookies because I wanted to keep his memory alive that way. So it's Uh, one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite traditions. And the one I'll miss the most um, from him is he always made his secret hot buttered rum for me. And in, in, you know, when I was an adult, of course, Um, but just, you know, those kind of um, little, little things like that, that, that um, I don't know, sort of touch you. But to be honest, the biggest Christmas tradition is watching 
Hallmark and Lifetime movies, 100%. That is, there you I'm go. not just saying that. I, I promise you I am not saying that to try and get another job, you know, I swear. Um, it's, I can show you pictures when I was little. But so I would say by far my favorite, you know, the, the ongoing tradition from when I was little and, and with my entire family was watching the network's movies because and looking forward to it and cuddling up with the blanket and, you know, just it's given us so much joy. So that's probably, you know, one of my all time favorites of these, my long, my longest Christmas tradition. Well, what is your favorite Christmas song? Oh, yes, you're killing me. Cause it's like picking a child. I love this song. <laughs> For real. Oh, I know. <laughs> okay. I know. Seriously, ladies. Uh, I think um, one of them that just came to mind. So I'm doing lightning round that came cause I like a lot, but I think I'll be home for Christmas. I think because I left home at 17 and because I was a news reporter, I worked the first 20 years. I mean, 20 Christmases I missed. But that said, we had a tradition in my family that I fly home New Year's. So I would work Christmas because I wasn't married when I, you know, was starting out and everyone had families and I thought they should be home with their families. So I would offer to work the holiday shift, but then I'd go home and then spend family. So literally for all these years until I left TV news, um, which was 10 years ago, I never celebrated Christmas on Christmas Day. It was always New Year's. And my family would wait. And, you know, they would have their own, you know, I'm an only child and only grandchild, so it's pretty small. But we would, my, my grandma and everyone would wait till I came home, and that's when our, quote, family Christmas would be. And so, yeah, that, I don't know why, but that's the one that I'll be home for Christmas probably kind of hits me close in the heart. And that's a good one. All right, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, <laughs> and you know, and you, and you having written several now—that would be that really is. Like oh gosh, I'm sorry, ladies. These are good questions. You know, I think I'd be asked these questions before, but oh my goodness, oh, I, well, it's so hard. I mean, who doesn't love a miracle on 34th Street? I mean, that's probably just. I have to watch that like every single year. So I, well, I'm not saying favorite. I'm saying one of because I, I'm reserving judgment here because I have to. I have to think about that. But I think that one. I think that I've always, you know, I've always loved. I've always loved that story. And isn't that almost Scrooge-like? It's a workaholic, right? A self-proclaimed workaholic. Right. And thinking back. So I think the Scrooge, to be honest, I mean, that has always resonated with me, even though when I was really scared me and I didn't like him, you know, because I thought he was mean. But I love the transformational story at the end. And I love Tiny Tim. So I have always loved that story. But I think that, yeah, so I, I think that's what I'm going to say. Yes. Okay. That's a long yeah. I can't answer any of these. This is supposed to be a lightning round. You're like, okay, this is a whole other show. <laughs> that's okay. It's called a five-question lightning round, but, you know, it's, it's fair game. It's, you know. Uh, all right, next question. Hot toddy or hot chocolate? Oh, hot chocolate for sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Only at my stepdad's hot buttered rum was my only hot toddy, but hot chocolate. Sometimes if it's really cold or I'm ice skating, I wouldn't mind a dash of uh, peppermint schnapps. Just a dash for flavor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That would just that would be like the whipped cream on top of the hot chocolate. I mean, you know, it's oh, that would just say it. I love peppermint exactly. anything at the holidays. So um, you have to have a candy cane, a candy, and I have that at Christmas camp. I do not have the alcoholic part because we're keeping it, you know, rated G, of course. But I do have, I do have the the um, candy cane stir stick because you got to have that. I mean, hello. Oh, right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Last question: um, White lights or colored lights? White lights. 
Although I say that, and I actually like colored lights better, but in all the movies that I'm doing, they're white lights. So white lights came to mind. <laughs> I, think, I don't know if it's cheaper on production. I'm not really sure why. But I think, I think I'm old school. Yeah, I think I'm old school because colorful lights to me are what it's supposed to be. But white lights are for what I'm doing right now, and I'm immersed in it. It's romantic. And you have, like, gazebo or you have parks or the tree. It's beautiful. But if you ask me a favorite tree, which I think you should ask, like, the design, you know, the white, like, decorated or the, you know, hodgepodge ornaments, hodgepodge 100%. I will never have a designer tree, ever. I want every ornament has to have a message and a story. I'm not going to buy 45 beautiful white ornaments. Now, my, I have a bonus mom. I'm very lucky. And my bonus mom, she's smart because sometimes she'll have two. You know, you have that designer tree. Don't get me wrong. I love those. those I take pictures of those. I, I want those in my movies. They're amazing. But I also want that heartfelt tree where I can say, oh, remember when this one? Or, oh, I got this one in Italy. Or I think that's important. So maybe right. two trees. Yeah. There. Two trees. There I don't you know. Go. That wasn't a question, but I just answered it. I want two trees. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Christmas is all about you know, being in the moment with family, but it's also about memory and traditions. And, exactly. and you know, and I think that is one of the highlights of Christmas for a lot of people is decorating the tree because you have all those ornaments that you made when you were a kid or, you know, your mom made and she passed on to you. And, you know, and it's it's, it's just really, you know, it you, you just brings back so much that you live through. Um, and you go, oh, wow, you remember this Christmas when you're looking at a certain ornament. It really does invoke that feeling. Absolutely. I think it's my, it's actually one of my favorite things. And I don't get often to do that because my family um, is in Washington state. So how could I get any further away living in New York? And so my mom usually has a tree decorated, but, and this sounds crazy, but I get to help undecorate it. You know, I usually come home a little bit later, although I've been flying home on Christmas day. Now that I have this job and I'm not a TV news reporter having to be on air on Christmas, like I used to have to anchor and be the person that you'd see someone has to do the news. Um, I will fly home on Christmas Day because it's, uh, quite frankly, cheaper. And, you know, it's easier mm-hmm. to fly and less traffic and, you know, that type of thing. But my mom will often have the tree up. But I, we take it down together. So it's a weird little tradition. But that's when we'll – it's a day. Because remember, what about – and we talk about it. And that's one of my favorite days. Instead of being sad, I used to be sad when we took the tree down. I wanted it to stay up forever. But now it's a day we spend together and we talk about them when we put them away. So I always tell people, you don't – you know, especially when you're talking like military families, a lot of times you can't make it home it's okay christmas is a very important day to be honored absolutely but when it comes to family gatherings just pick a time that you all can be together and you can have those heartfelt moments and and make sure that you still you get to celebrate twice you can celebrate christmas the actual you know christmas day which is so important but then if the family can't be together for whatever reason pick another day and get to do it twice i think that's even more special absolutely exactly well that completes our five-question lightning round. Thank you so very much for participating. Those were some great answers. And, Thank you. Uh, that was fun. But now I'm like, I know it. I'm not to really think about those. But you got them from my heart. You got the first thing in my mind. So I love it. Thank you for asking and, me. And, you know, and as, as you were um, talking just now, it just popped in my head, literally just popped in my head. What if you wrote a screenplay or a book based on a five-question lightning round, Christmas lightning round, somehow? Oh, I love that. That would be awesome. You know, I don't know how it would all come together. It's kind of like, you know, this and that. Oh, you know, but, me, um, that's, what, that's what I do, but maybe that'd be the thing. And oh, You know what? Okay, we can create a movie right now together. So, it's all, you know, people are doing these dating apps and all of that, which what have yeah. you. But what about, but what about if 
they do this thing where they ask the five questions and then based on, you know, they do kind of a holiday matchmaker and based on your answers, they try to match you up with someone, you know, maybe it's some kind of a radio show or something like that where they get singles and go, okay, I'm going to do, we're going to bring a matchmaker in and maybe it's just a publicity stunt for the matchmaker, you know, to get publicity that she's a matchmaker has a book out and then they do this little cute holiday thing, but it ends up matching people, you know, or someone lies. They don't do the light or tell a fib, I should say. And then, yeah, there we go, ladies. I'm working on it. I'm working there on it. we go. It, it, yeah, that's the next yeah. one. That's the next I one. Love I love to write, too, and I don't get to do it very often. So, of course, I'm sitting here going, gosh, there's got to be a movie made about something like this at some point. You know, when you I think about all the that. that have been written, and then you think about all the new ideas that could possibly come to fruition out of the growing Christmas movie industry now that seems to be abounding, um, you know, it's, it would be fun to kind of expand on this in, in a lot of ways. So there you go. You got your home. And I love, see, I love you ladies more than anything. And wait, I want to mention too, when we talk about expanding and this whole Christmas, you know, it's just, it's going in so many directions. So when I wrote the Christmas camp movie and then I wrote the Christmas camp novel and of course, Christmas camp wedding, that's coming out in January 9th, 9th. But I wanted to bring Christmas camp to life because it's like what you're saying. It's become so powerful. So mm-hmm. if you're listening and, you know, you're thinking, hey, this Christmas camp it sounds like I need one, we're actually bringing it to life December 7th through the 15th at the Phoenician, which is this AAA five-star property in Scottsdale, Arizona. I used to live there, and I worked with the Phoenician when I did my travel therapy book, and they're a travel therapy go-to resort. I believe in them so much. They love the concept of Christmas camp, so we're recreating a lot of the things in the movie and the book, and it's coming to life, and we're even doing a giveaway. So it's just it's a way to, I feel like, and it's so funny, the first people that are reviewing the book right now, and I'm seeing it come up because the book's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and, and, you know, all of the sites that can leave reviews, which are so powerful because people learn a lot from those reviews. They're saying, I wish there was a real Christmas camp. I need to go to Christmas. And everyone's saying that because we just announced this. We're actually doing it. We're actually going to do it. And the resort's even talking about this isn't a one-off publicity. They believe in giving back. They've just done this multi-million dollar uh, refresh, you know, as they call it. And it's kind of this rejuvenation and transformation is the word they're using. So when I heard about that, because I thought, I want to bring Christmas camp to life. And I thought maybe it'd be a one day, something fun, you know, to tie in with the movie and book. And then I thought, no, when they said, well, why don't you propose what you're thinking? So I thought, well, I'm going for it. So I proposed the whole week because in the book, you go for a week. And in the movie, Mm -hmm. you go for a week. So I I proposed, and they said, I go, you guys have a transformation. This is about, Christmas camp is about a transformation. So it was a perfect fit. So I'm listening and getting extra excited to, to get in the holiday cheer. It's going to be really special. It's and I feel like and I people say why'd you pick the desert? You know your your book and movie is based in New England. You know in in Boston and I mean up, upstate of Boston, and I said because some people get really cold and Christmas camp is like travel therapy. Pick the Christmas camp that's good for you. Right. This one you want to go to the pool. <laughs> you want to get away from the there cold. And also, yeah, and you know what? I'm going to tell you, I'm from Chicago, so you can imagine the winters I go through. So I would so appreciate Arizona. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, and honest ladies, because I'm going to go for the whole week, and I'm in New York, and I I am just over the cold weather. I love the beauty of it, but. So I thought, oh, I'm, you know, that's the nice thing about being a writer. I can create imaginary worlds that I want to play in. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. That's, right. that's brilliant, actually. Well, now is this hot cocoa? 
We're okay. gonna have hot cocoa, and we're having a and we're having a Christmas camp signature cocktail. We have Christmas camp massages that have been created specifically. We have culinary. We're making the crispies. I was there two weeks ago. I worked with the pastry chef in the kitchen. I worked with the mixologist. So it was all authentic and bringing it all to life. Back to the just kind of full circle to the military. When I went to Bosnia all those years ago, and I met some folks in what I, they call family readiness, and you might be familiar with it, where they kind of help the families prepare if they're military members going or if you have a problem especially young wives and husbands now with wives going overseas you know if we're seeing more and more of that and in this there was this group I met this lovely group and I, they kind of adopted me when I got back from Bosnia they had me over for Thanksgiving and I met a gentleman and and he was amazing and he his wife he was in the military and his wife you know young you know very young and they had a lovely daughter and so sad to say that um, she, the wife, passed away. And it's been heartbreaking. And he has raised his daughter. He has done 100% for his daughter and everything for her. And she's turning 14. And he, he's a friend on Facebook. I haven't seen him in years. I mean, you know, isn't that terrible? But, you know, you don't. And, and he, was, he was a friend of a friend. So it was that, you know, I knew his wife through another friend. But he just always sort of kept touch with me. And he just reached out and said, Shannon, for her 14th birthday, wants to come to Christmas camp. She wants to meet you. Who knew her mom and what you've created? That I usually cry when I say that. But that's why I created Christmas Camp, the movie. That's why I created Christmas Camp, the book. I really believe that Christmas Camp, the idea, could help people. You don't need to go to a fancy resort. You can have it at home. You can you can take some tips from the movie and the book. I hope and and just take that time out and be with your family and be present and and do what matters most. And when I hear that, that, that she hasn't seen the movie yet, she just got the book and she's 14, but she wants to come because she feels that connection. That's, that's what we're all trying to do. You're trying to bring joy, and, you know, that's what means the world to me. Well, we are so well, excited that you're a part of it as well. And uh, we are going to be looking forward to seeing all the great movies that are coming. Any part at all to do with. Um, it's an exciting holiday season, movie-wise, for folks. No doubt about it. I'm so excited. And I'm yeah. just, just thank you again for having me, both of you. I mean, I really honor what you do. And, and like I said, buckle up because you're going to have a, a very busy holiday. <laughs> 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 yes, we are. <laughs> but we love every minute of it. So we're there for it. But thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule again for talking to us. I can't even tell you how fascinating this interview was with you. I mean, it's such an honor to speak with you and to hear everything come to life through your words. Oh, thank you. Well, I, it means so much to me, and especially because you know so much with the movies, and you what you're doing is from the heart, too. And so I think we have to stick together right now, right? It's a tough time for That's all right. of us. That's right. We, we need to uplift each other, we need to empower each other, and we need to reach out to each other. So thank you for reaching out to me. I will always make time. I love what you're doing. I, I'm a listener. I'm a fan. So you know, I, whatever I can do to help, please call me. I'll, I'm there for you. Thank, well, thank you. you so much, Thank Sarah. you so much. I greatly appreciate that. Now you go and relax because you've had a busy time. So go <laughs> relax, get some blankets and some hot chocolate. And we'll talk to you again because you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you. Thank you, ladies, so much. And if I don't talk to you before, have a happy, healthy, safe, everything holiday because you both deserve it. Thank you. Thank you, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Hey guys, don't leave us yet. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Christmas Movies. That's X M A S M U V I E S. And also like our Facebook page at Christmas Movie Spotlight. Don't forget that's spelled M U V I E S. And follow us on Instagram at Christmas Movie Spotlight. And don't forget to check out our website, ChristmasMovieSpotlight.com. That's movies with M-U-V-I-E-S, ChristmasMovieSpotlight.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.